Joseph's Bailout for Egypt Did you know that Joseph prevented a capitalist Egypt from becoming a socialist state? What Egypt became in the end might not look like any government we have today. What do you call an economic system where the means of production are owned by the government but are managed by the people? Is this what a healthy relationship between government and citizen looks like? Did Joseph's leadership guide Egypt in a way that politicians should take note of? Was he completely transparent with the citizens or did he pull a fast one? Joseph may be the first example in history of someone who did not, quote, take, let a uh, crisis go to waste, unquote, as he consolidated political power for Pharaoh. Let me take you through the text and let's see if we can notice things that you've never seen or thought of before. Starting with Genesis 41, 34 through 36. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years that come. And lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine. Which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. The Bible doesn't say what the rate, the tax rate was prior to Joseph's plan, but most likely, taxes were well below 20% prior to Joseph's management, and most likely this 20% would include the uh, funding of all government operations in addition to storing food. This likely tax increase was tolerable heading into an economic expansion. Let's continue reading verse four, uh, 48 and 49. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. <coughs> The years of plenty brought so much food that Joseph stopped counting. Arthur Laffer promoted the idea that there must be an optimal rate of taxation between 0% and 100%. At 0%, the government will collect no taxes. Also, at 100%, they're not likely to collect any revenue because people don't willingly work to give away all their money. The deduction is that there exists an optimal rate at which the most revenue can be raised somewhere in between 0% and 100%. This is called the Laffer Curve. There is no definitive number for the most optimal tax rate as the charts vary based on a variety of factors. Some, of, some have the peak revenue at around 30%. There are so many factors to consider, but optimal revenue to the government doesn't necessarily mean optimal economic growth, which is also a favorable outcome for the country to be at optimal prosperity. By the way, author Laffer puts the optimal 
for growth at about 17%. All we know from the story is that 20% is what Joseph chose, and it brought in so much, quote, revenue that he stopped keeping track of how much was being stored. Would a mere 20% subsidize year for year all the deficits that would occur later? Let's continue with the, ch the text with verse 55. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you do. One of the most peculiar and obvious things to me is that in all this time, the people must have known why all the food was being stored. Surely it was no secret that Pharaoh had a dream, and that dream had an interpretation, and the first half of that interpretation was being lived out in real time. Yet the first thing they do is run to Pharaoh for bread. Did they expect that all that food would be given to them? Yes, they did. As soon as lean times came, the first thing they did was demand food from their government. Can we blame them exactly? After all, the food did come from their property. They gave up that 20%. Now they wanted it back. Should they have gotten it back without charge? How Pharaoh could have been wonderfully worshipped if he had given freely, instead he deferred to his trusted steward. Joseph doesn't seem to be interested in taking credit, praise, or power. His loyalty has, was, to, was to the outcome. It is always wise to defer to better judgment, even when you are the one in charge. Should politicians defer to the experts? Is this showing a regulatory state that executes management and is overseen by the executive and legislative branches of government? What would this like, look like today? Would it look like many cities who have a mayor and manager? How would this look at the state and national level? Verse 56. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. Why didn't Joseph give the food to the Egyptians? Wasn't it theirs to begin with? Perhaps there are some sociological implications to be surmised from his refusal to give but instead sell. Price controls demand. Zero price will equal high demand, as there will be no friction to consumption. High price equals low demand, as there is much friction in consuming. How did Joseph determine what the price to charge for the goods? Did he calculate how much it cost to build storage units and store the food? Did he charge at cost pricing? He had a monopoly as people ran out of food in all surrounding lands. He could have charged anything. Most likely, he charged a reasonable, perhaps discounted rate, as there is no, extra, uh, no record of complaining about the cost. Verse 57. And all 
countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. Surely Joseph would not open up the coffers of Egypt to the world unless he knew he had enough for Egypt for all seven years as well. Yet we read that Joseph solid, uh, sold indiscriminately. How could 20% of seven years produce within Egypt, uh, production within Egypt provide for 100% of Egypt and surrounding lands, minus whatever they could muster from the drought? The years of plenty must have been truly great. Genesis 47, 14. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they brought, or which they bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. This was the 20% taken from the people now being sold back to them for money. This Quote, bailout program was a government provision, perhaps, at, at cost to the Egyptians. They weren't going to get it back for free. It was going to cost them. Can you imagine any government in the world doing that today? Is government's role to run a surplus revenue in good times and then provide at cost or discounted basic necessities in lean times? If governments did this, would it help stabilize boom and bust cycles? How could we implement something like this in our own society today? Genesis 47, 15 and through 17. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread! For why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your ca cattle. If money fail. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses, and for the flocks, and for the cattle and of the herds, and for the asses. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. The people wanted food for free again. Surely they had a com compelling case. They could die. Yet Joseph wasn't giving anything away for free. They said, give us bread, and he replied, give your cattle. Cattle and milk are a luxury when food is scarce. Chickens, horses, Joseph could feed them, but he would only feed them if the government owned them. Is it because of the people's, quote, capitalist mindset that led them to this, quote, free handout mentality? Since we pay taxes, we should get what is ours back. This is what I hear some diehard conservatives arguing concerning the stimulus payments. This is a fallacy. Tax payments are no longer your money. Tax payments though necessarily involuntary, are an exchange of ownership of wealth. Once those payments are made, that money is no longer yours. Therefore, you are entitled to nothing. Perhaps we sh if we understood this, as a society, the urges towards socialism by these capitalist societies would be mitigated.
Genesis 47:18. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from our Lord, my Lord, how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in thy sight of in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. Wait, what? That was only the first year? They had six years to go, and already they liquidated their cows, horses, and chickens. These people weren't prepared at all. They knew the lean times were coming. They had seven years to prepare. They thought all that government saving was going to take care of them for free. Not Joseph's government. Were the Egyptians ill-informed? Should Joseph have made it more explicitly known that the grain was not going to be given back for free? Did Joseph purposefully hide the fact that this confiscation wasn't going to come back without a price? Maybe it was Joseph who pulled a fast one on them so that he could leverage the government to build a more powerful state for Pharaoh. Notice their change in tone in the first verse. When they first came to Pharaoh at the beginning of the famine, you can almost hear the protesters chanting outside the palace, We want food! We want food! They again demand from Joseph, Give us food! in verse 15. Now, however, one can hear a reverence in their voice as they explain calmly and respectfully their unfortunate plight. We are seeing, as we read, a transformation of an entitlement mentality, even in a capitalist society, into a relationship of respect between the people and their government who earned it. Joseph must have known that what is given is not appreciated. Even though this was a tax-funded bounty, some had contributed more and some less. How could he give back equally? Those who were more resourceful, even though contributing the same rate of 20%, would not be contributing equal quantities. Therefore, redistributing as needed in set quantities would necessarily be redistributing from those who had in disproportionate quantities to those in need, same quantities as the Communist Manifesto agree, de, uh, decrees. Genesis forty-seven nineteen. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be, your, be servants unto Pharaoh, and give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate, this time it is the people who volunteer this last inevitable exchange. They didn't even wait for Joseph to suggest this final permanent transaction. They offered themselves willingly to be wards of the state. This was a quickly a quick transformation from demanding the government give them food to offering themselves up as servants to Pharaoh in just a few years. This transfer didn't take two generations or even one. This role reversal took only two, maybe even three years. Genesis 47, 20 through 21. And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh 
for the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as far as the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of the border of Egypt, even to the other end thereof. It is because the people didn't prepare, independent of their government, that they had become dependent on their government. This transition is repeated throughout history. I'll grant it, a seven-year boom seems a short time to prepare for a seven-year depression. Yet the government proved that 20% preparation was sufficient to feed all of Egypt and surrounding countries for seven full years. That's likely including the funding also for the function of the government. The people had 80% left to keep in an extremely bountiful time. If they had saved even 10% of that 80%, perhaps at the very least they wouldn't have lost their land in the end and become servants to the state. Genesis 47, 21, 23 through 25. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you. You shall sow that the land. And at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your household and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. Wait, did Joseph just say, Here is seed for you, sell the land? Why weren't they sowing seed on their own land in the first place? The answer may be in verse 21, when he moved everyone around from one end of Egypt to the other. When he reorganized the people, he was likely rezoning for purposes of creating watering canals from the Nile River to the crops. This would have happened indiscriminately as more property was purchased by the state. Oh, incrementally. This would have happened incrementally as more property was purchased by the state. Perhaps this was his plan all along. How likely were the people to reorganize when they owned their own property. Not likely at all. This would have been a power struggle between the people and their government as they might have revolted. Remember how demanding they were just two years ago? Yet with their new attitudes being that of humble, grateful servants to their wise and forward-looking leader, they were ready to trust and comply. To the end, their tax burden was the same, 20%. Notice there is no property tax or rent. The tax rate is 20% of whatever you bring in. This rate was for all people and to all government functions and likely to resupply the coffers for the next recession. Could they buy back their land in the future? Is this what a healthy relationship between government and citizen look like? Should government drive a hard bargain to its citizens and not give anything away? How could the government save resources in abundant times and make those resources available at affordable and reasonable prices today? 
Did Joseph's rezoning set Egypt up for a much more prepared future? Is this restructuring of the country's land in any part why they became one of the longest-lasting civilizations on earth? Notice that all the land was bought and not confiscated. Notice the voluntary exchange. What lessons can government officials learn from not taking by force, other than reasonable taxation? How many other kings would have demanded much more than just 20% since all property was owned by the government? Perhaps many others would demand 50% or 75% from the citizens from then on since they owned everything. Yes, Joseph didn't give to uh, give in to the people when they wanted free handouts. Yes, he let them sell themselves into total servitude to the state. Yes, Joseph made everyone move around, though having nothing left in your possession made moving easier. Yet in the end, when Joseph could have taxed at virtually any rate, he maintained that same 20% rate on production. Final thoughts and contemporary application. The only government coercion that takes place here is the tax rate. This was most likely a raise in taxes from perhaps as low as 3 to 5% and would likely have included a funding of all government operations in addition to storing excess reserves. Every other move by Joseph is done fairly. Even in the end, when he moved everyone around, though inconvenient and to all involved, was legitimate as the property was owned by the state. There are foreseen and unforeseen crises, and there are political actors that look forward to these events so that they can dramatically reorganize society, always for the better, in their opinion, of course. Currently, we have people... We the people are so unprepared that we couldn't last a month on savings. Most would have to run up debt just to survive two weeks. Therefore, the government is compelled to take on massive amounts of debt to, give, to help its people with stimulus bills. Even despite the longest growth cycle in history of more than 10 years, from 2009 to 2020, most are not prepared. How can we educate the populace to become more self-sufficient? Would a proper understanding by the people that their taxes are not ever owned, owed back in the future help to avoid the urge of socialism and free handouts? What regulations could be passed to encourage saving instead of easy debt and consumption? Should the Federal Reserve have a, have a minimum interest rate of maybe 5% to discourage all parties, citizen, corporation, and governments to accumulate massive debt? What will, take, what will it take to restructure the U.S. Con economy to empower citizens from depending on government and, or corporations for their well-being? Is there anything you thought of while listening to this that, may have, that I may have missed? Please share it with me. I look forward to your feedback. Also, help me crowdsource more feedback by sharing this with others. Who are your smartest friends? Send, them, send it to them personally. Also, just subscribe so you don't miss the next post. Thank you for listening.